Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it had a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange and New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim. Zim, say what's up. How's it going, everybody? I am back in town. Ace, you are back in town. Yes, sir. And here we are. This is our first show after the Bengals just took an L to in the Super Bowl. I want to start off by saying thank you, everybody, for supporting this team, supporting this, this, this show, supporting everything that we put out. We met so many people that just was giving so many encouraging words this week, even before the game. And I just cannot thank people enough for like really expressing how they felt about our show, expressing about how they felt about anything you've done, our designs, all this thing. This was a hell of a ride. And I remember Joe after the game was saying, you know, like, I know it stings, but you know, we're not about to sit here, like I say every week, I'm not about to sit here and be talking bad about, like, the guys that got us to the promise land. So if you're coming to, if you if y'all coming to pile up or whatever, this, this might not be the show for you. But I did, I did want to say I just appreciate that. Appreciate you, Ace. I'm so happy to be back home. L.A. was awesome, though. Yeah, Besides LA the was... fact that we laughed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I guess we can kind of... I guess I'll talk about a little bit of the trips to LA before I get into the game. Like Zim said, great time. Definitely appreciate everybody that came up to us, um, dapped us up, showed us love, had so many kind words. Um, Got to LA, and the first thing that we ended up doing was actually 
the Super Bowl experience was pretty dope, honestly. Like, even if you're not going to a Super Bowl, I would definitely suggest that if it's in your city or you can make it to it, to definitely check it out. And if you have any kids or anything like that, it's a pretty dope experience. Me and Zim hit um, there on Saturday. Um, the line was extremely long. It was NFL fans from all over, including Bengals fans and Rams fans. But there was just so much to do. Like, we're literally going around to all of the different courses and stuff like that. And out of nowhere, you just see guys like Derwin James and Darren Waller just walking around. Got to chop it up with TJ for a hot second. But that part of it was like a completely dope experience. Then we headed out to Bengal Gyms um, and hung with Coolio and a lot of former Bengals um, that were there too. So shout out to Bengal Gym and everything. Coolio, that kind of got wild. <laughs> hey, bro. I know you ain't just highlighting Coolio on there, though. Like, I'm off Coolio. 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 Coolio was an experience. That's how Coolio. I was. That was an experience. Um, but yeah, man. Then Shout me and Zim especially <laughs> go to the game, and it's the Super Bowl in Hollywood. It was so surreal just walking in there, like seeing the Bengals in the Super Bowl, seeing that logo on SoFi just was like a full circle kind of moment. Like, here we are. We're really about to go to the Super Bowl. So um, going there, seeing, like, the environment, uh, walking down and seeing guys like LeBron and Jamar Chase, Chase's mom and his father, meeting them there in person, uh, you know, also chopping it up with the Burrows, running into Chris Tucker. It was, it was insane, bro. It was surreal. And we still appreciated all the love that we got from a lot of people that recognized us. Larry Ogunjobi's pops, Mike Hilton's pops, salute them for supporting the brand and watching us and everything. But it just was a surreal moment, man. Like all of our hard work really got us to, you know, that moment. Not to take any credit away from anyone else, but I feel like we kind of put ourselves into that moment and kind of from everything that we've been pushing out from the show, the energy, the love, you know, the dedication, it just felt like that kind of got us to a Super Bowl as far as me and you, not the team, but me and you, right. obviously, you're not right. on the roster, but yeah. it just was kind of a full circle moment from that aspect. I, I, I about to say, I just feel like it's a full circle moment, and, you, and, and that's 100% right. I think we were just highlighting that because, or Ace was highlighting that. Me, I want to highlight it like this. I am torn to pieces that we didn't win that game. I feel nice. like I don't want to live my life regret, regretting the fact that the Bengals didn't win that Super Bowl. But I would be very unappreciative. I, I'm very – I always instill this in, like, people that I'm around or whether it be my wife or whatever. Like, you know, we have to sit back sometimes and understand or be appreciative of what happened because there are 30 other teams that didn't go to the Super Bowl. And before right. this season happened, it was just, you know, like, let's just be successful. Let's play some games. We get to the playoffs. We win. We break the curse. There were millions of people that hit me. It was like, man, shoot, we just broke the curse. I'm good. I'm good on that. I was like, nah, we got to keep on going. How many times right. we come on this show, Ace, and, we, and people was talking about free agency and stuff. We was like, bro, we could go to – we could go in the playoffs and, like, y'all remember us turning – or me turning up on here and saying, what are y'all talking about? We, we're in the playoff hunt. And to see right. us take it that far, 
I could, I, it's hard for me. Like, I'll be able to criticize different things as we go into the show on things I didn't like, but I don't want anybody to ever misinterpret it as I don't understand um, how these guys got here because the same offensive line that got piled up on, the same offensive line and the same coach that should have probably won coach of the year, that people are questioning a lot of different things that they did, they got us to the Super Bowl. And there's a lot of people that might say, yeah, well, I don't, I don't even know what they would say. But just for me personally, they above and beyond exceeded all ex, 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 expectations that I had. I think they overperformed for the roster that they did have. I thought there were other rosters that, that had better, you know, better positions throughout. I thought the matchup for the Rams was favorable, as I documented, I guess, on Twitter. I thought it was pretty favorable in a lot of different matchups. The two um, matchups that I highlighted that I didn't think that were we didn't have a strong point, and I, I left the tweet pinned on my Twitter, is offensive line and defensive line. So it's not like I'm going to come out of this game and say, oh, we got to do it. These are things that we all knew before the game, that the offensive line wasn't to the level that is good enough to protect Joe Burrow. We knew that the defensive line needed pass rushes. I've been screaming that since, since training camp. Like they need more pa- pass rushes. We talked. I think as fans, we talked about Joseph Osai all year. Like you know, it. it I knew that it could possibly come back to bite you, um, but I just think that I wouldn't change a thing, in the sense that if we don't draft Jamar or all these different things, these free agents like Trey Flowers and all these great things at the front office did, I would be uh, salty P-U-S-S-Y if I were just highlighting all the things that didn't go my way. Because a lot went our way, and we lost by three points. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you on that. I think that you definitely had to put everything in perspective. And you have to understand that people are going to move goalposts and, and things like that. And a lot of people have been waiting to dunk on the Bengals' offensive line because – you know, they were so hard against it. And the fact that they went to the Super Bowl, it really kind of made them look uh, wrong in in a certain light. So you're going to get people trying to dunk on it because they waited until literally the last game of the season to try to drive home that point. But at the end of the day, none of those people ever bring up a couple of things that the Bengals did address offensive line last year. We know it because we actually pay attention to our team. We know that they got rid of Jim Turner. We know that they signed Riley Reef. We know that Riley Reef got injured. We know that that's when the O line really took a turn for the worse. And so um, to sit back and try to dunk on them now um, and not acknowledge any of the things that they did in the offseason and talk about them as if they just literally did nothing is not right. Um, but at the end of the day, this is year two. Like Zim just said, this is year two of the Joe Burrow era. This is Jamar Chase's rookie season, and he just showed you that he could cook up Marlon Humphrey. He just showed you that he could cook up Jalen Ramsey. And T also showed you that he could cook up Jalen Ramsey too. So what does that mean? You have two wide receivers that are like maybe 22 years old, maybe not even, and they essentially can go at any corner in the league. You got a young quarterback in Joe Burrow who's already been to his Super Bowl already and lost one. So that's going to put an even bigger chip on his shoulder. Yes, it's harder to get back. I'm not going to guarantee that they're going to go back next season, but they will be back, and that's for sure. Anytime in this Joe Burrow window of this five years, they will definitely be back. I'm fully confident in that. I have no problem saying that. 
And I think that the way that this team is built, a lot of the main pieces will be back and a lot of the major pieces will be back for a couple years, not just one, not two. Um, they're set up with a lot of money in free agency and they are built to get back there. I think that we're battle tested now. Like it sounds crazy and it's going to sound like people are uppity and this and that. But, right. you know, the AFC North, honestly, was nothing compared like to what it. this season. It really was not right. any like there's there's stuff above the AFC North. I'm not saying that you don't have to focus on winning your division, but you got to go to places like Tennessee and their home crowd and get out a win. You got to go to Kansas City and Arrowhead Boy, and come out and get a win. You got to go to L.A. When you really supposed to be the home team, you're not even getting right. home team advantage in the Super Bowl. But I'm going to say this. I feel like we had home field advantage because you know what? All the Bengals fans from all around the world showed up, and it was more of us in their stadium than them. And I know that y'all heard that on there. But we are battle-tested, bro, and we're coming back for more. It's not going to be a team that this team, they're hungry for more. Like, they're going to be trying to take out – everybody in the division, everybody in the conference again, to do what they can to get back to that moment, to pull it out. And I feel like, like you said, bro, we had it. We came back right. in the second half, um, came up on them, and it really was ours to lose. I give credit to the Rams, but I really felt like this was our game to lose at a certain point. Um, let's get started, I guess, with the beginning. I'm going to let, let Zem go let, ahead and talk because I've been talking for a while. So I'll let you go, and then I'll say my piece as far as the game goes because I don't want to take up too much time. And, and to take it, I just want to say this too. I'd be lying to say that, you know, I'm, I am I have this big thing in my room. It's called – I just have a carpe diem, and I say it before I walk out, you know, the door out the door like every day. So you have to seize the moment. I'm not here to tell you that. The Bengals are 100% going to run it back. And, you know, like, life is crazy like that. You know, like, I hope that I don't regret the, that that loss. You know, like, anybody telling you that, like, it's no big deal to be right back? No, nah, I don't feel like that. I feel like they blew a golden opportunity. But yeah. I, I want to start with, like, the big – I just want to start with the elephant in the room for me is Akeem Adeniji, who is who was on our show, interviewed him, great guy and everything like that. When I look at this whole entire game and how we got to this point right here, right, it's not like the Bengals didn't do something different to get themselves not in this position. There's probably like one flaw I could think of is when they got to the trade deadline, I thought they should have went and got another interior, um, you know, like veteran guy or whatever. I Remember that was a big talking point where everybody was like, man, we should go get um, – what was the backup center and somebody else or something like that. I don't know if that person changes this game, but I think for people to pile up on like Adenogy or whatever, he played bad. He played really bad, and I think that was a catalyst in why the Bengals couldn't do anything offensively in the second half of that football game. I thought that he didn't do enough to make it a championship winning football game. But I, I say that with this. It's not his fault. When we interview him, he played. He was playing out of position. He's drafted as a tackle out of Kansas in like what the fifth round. So, and, and it, so the pessimistic person probably would say, "Well, why did the Bengals have him out there?" They drafted Jackson Carmen, and I said from day one, if you draft that guy at that second round pick, that is a premium pick. 
it just because it wasn't Panay in the first round, Jackson Carmen is so important. I thought that they I said this to I said this to James a lot. I said Jackson Carmen pick and, and Jamar Chase to me are tied at the hip because it's banking on a strategy of having a unique, unorthodox way of drafting with two second round, first round uh, wide receivers and one first round wide receiver. That's how this trio of the Migos is formed. And that's an unorthodox way of drafting in the NFL. Teams don't do that. That's why the, the trio is so special. And if you do that and you neglect Panay, now you go to Jackson Carmen and you're saying, we're expecting you to play. And I, I, I've said that a million times. The fact that Jackson Carmen's back was a problem. The fact that Jackson Carmen now pops up on a Super Bowl uh, injury report, like now that he's probably going to get the starting nod, it makes me question a lot of different things about him even further. Because to me, I'm not blaming it on him, but the Bengals front office got a million things right. Von Bell, Trey Flowers, picking up hard grades, doing all these great things. But Jackson Carmen pick is one that people are probably going to talk about forever because now it almost looks Drew Sample-ish. Because if this guy... And I said, if he doesn't run out there, now you're putting the team in jeopardy of all these different things. So you start off the year, you you come back with Xavier Suofilo, you draft him to say battle it out with Carmen. He he gets hurt, all these different things. I'm just I'm just going back in my memory bank. Like, how do you get to a Super Bowl and allow this guy, you know, like to be put in this position? Adenogy picks up the pace throughout the season. He fills in well. You know, he does what he's asked to do. But to say like he's trash or he's garbage or anything like that, I think that's that's wrong because a lot of different things that the Bengals did as far as like Frank Pollock, Xavier Sulafilo, um, Raleigh Reef, all these different things didn't go the way that you wanted to go. I tell this to my son like every day. I could give him a million different things, ice cream, cake, whatever. Then one thing doesn't happen, then he cries. And I'm like, bro, what happened to all the other good things? So I'm just saying there's a reason why he was in there. I go to the beginning of the uh, first half of this football game. I thought that early in the game, the, I thought the Bengals were running really well. I thought they carried that throughout the most of the game. So the running game is there. But the one thing that I do feel like that nobody's going to be talking about is I feel like the Rams almost did a little rope-a-dope on us, the same way that we did to the Chiefs. It's not a re- – it, in a way, they put an emphasis on pass rushing, pass rushing because they knew – they knew that we could beat them deep. And I said that so many different times before the game. And one thing that you'll look at, if you go back and look at a lot of these different highlights, they're playing soft at at them at the line of scrimmage. In the first half, they were begging for us to just throw. They didn't want us to throw anything deep. So they want us to throw everything up short. But yet we're running for four yards of carry. So they're like, cool, keep on running, keep on running. But Rams fans that would message me, the minute Jamar Chase gets that one go ball, they're like, uh-oh. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like the one thing that is the theme that happened the whole entire year that I hate the most is you cannot walk out of games that close and Jamar Chase or T. Higgins don't have 10 targets. And people will say, well, Aaron Donald was putting so much pressure on him. If you see our offense, even if you look at the four-for-one play, I, don't, I know I'm going further in the game. When you're playing soft on us like that, just throw it out to them quick. One thing that we did in the Chiefs game to, to negate the pass rush was screens. Only one screen was thrown the whole entire game. I hate that because I feel like we let them off the hook. 
In contrast, check out Cooper Cup. He goes, we go the whole game. Cooper Cup is covered. Mike Hilton does everything that we said he's going to do. Cooper Cup has 50-something yards going into like six minutes left in the game. 56 yards for MVP of the Super Bowl. The one thing that they didn't do is stop throwing the Cooper Cup. And I think a lot of people are getting lost in the sauce of like, well, Aaron Donald and them, they dominated the game. Our offense doesn't care about that. Even, even with all of that stuff, and, I, and I, I want, let me phrase that correctly because I know somebody might take it a little bit, whatever. Our offense is predicated on throwing the ball quick, but because they were running the, fo- the ball so effective, like in the game, I think it got kind of lost in the sauce. I think they were like, well, like we can keep on running. That's going to set up whatever. But the one thing that gets lost is the Bengals don't, aren't a good play action football team. So you running the football doesn't set you up for anything play action wise. Because Joe Burrow doesn't feel comfortable and he doesn't have enough time to, to work under center. The, when If you go look at all these plays and stuff, they're begging for us to throw this underneath stuff and just let our playmakers do it. I don't care that you think the pass rush would get there so fast. Even me and Ace were just looking at the last play of the game. I've even I highlighted on my Twitter. These plays or these shots were open just for us to throw it out to them and make a play. And I thought early in this, in this game, they didn't do that. And what did Joe say? Oh, F it. J- Jamar's down there somewhere. He did that one time. And the one time he did it, he had success with it. And you never do it again. I think that's a bigger storyline for me than the actual offensive line. Because the hurt, the first, first half, me and Ace are in the, in the crowd. We was like, where's the pressure? Where's it? Like the, the offensive line is holding up. I know that every day that you go watch TV, and everybody that you sat next to after watching Joe Burrow get sacked seven times, they're like, yeah, fix the offensive line. That's the only problem. To me, that's not the game. My perspective is a little different. The offensive line pigeonholed the Bengals on what they could call, but what the Bengals can do, like just launching it, just straight up. It sounds a little crazy, but it's not for our offense. If you watch this all year, we launch the ball down the field and Jamar Chase just makes a play. We launch the ball down to T. Higgins, he makes a play and then you just don't do it again, that was really crazy to me. And and I don't buy like they didn't have enough time. Two seconds, bro. They were trying to do things that they weren't normally accustomed to doing, I think, and they kind of got caught into this, oh, we can run the ball really well. And and it, and it got a little bit conservative in, in, in contrast to the first half where they went forward on the fourth and one, even the fourth and one. I like the call because you had already stopped them on their on their drive, so you got the ball back. So now it's in essence, it's almost like a free possession, right? Imagine they score on the first drive of the game. You don't go for it on fourth and one, but once you get the ball back, you now you can play with it. And the odds say that sure you're close to the fifty, go for it. I think people are just mad it didn't work out. But T Higgins is wide open in the flat. A lot of the things that happen in this game. Is Joe wasn't didn't play the greatest game he's ever played. It's not his fault, but a lot of different things that happened to me were execution, and that was my main standpoint. But the one constant five straight possessions, second half. By the time we get to the second half, you're holding the Rams to like nothing. Just straight three and outs, or maybe a first down here and there, and then they're off the field. Our defense, as we go as we go into the off season, I didn't think I would say this. I think they had the potential of being a top three defense in the National Football League. That, like, that is the weirdest takeaway, I guess, you might get from the game. I know that the offensive line is the first priority, but my, the defense really stood out this postseason to me 
being placed in the gauntlet that they were placed in. Nah, facts. Um, so for me, the first thing that that I, because I kind of disagree with you a little bit on the Carmen thing, because I feel like Jackson Carmen is a better player than Akeem Adenergy. And I think when you look at it just from that aspect, if I were to tell you that Jackson Carmen played 462 snaps and gave up zero sacks in the regular season, and Hakeem Adenergy, with his 555 snaps, gave up three sacks. And if I were to tell you that in the postseason, Hakeem Adenergy gave you uh, gave up six of sacks or whatever, and has a worse PFF grade than Jackson Carmen overall, why is he starting over him? And I don't think that people expect Jackson Carmen to just be a stud. But when you look at his PFF grades, he's just average, right? And I think Hakeem Adenogy and not only the Titans game, but this game was the guy that ended up giving the most sacks up on the line. And a lot of people were confused because when they went into the Chiefs game, they split the sacks between the two of them, right? Mm-hmm. Or the snaps between the two of them. And you definitely saw a dramatic difference. And I think you see a difference when you have Jackson Carmen in there as far as physicality. And in a game like this with this magnitude, there has to be, I don't know if it's the back injury. I don't know if it's that they don't feel like he has the right attitude. Why why you think he why why you think he didn't pop up on the injury report? And then the only time is like remember, remember uh Zach Taylor says, yeah, Car- uh Jackson Carmen now is about the uh remember they go to the press conference like a day or two before. A lot of people <laughs> thought he was gonna start. All right, right. That's very key. Remember what I told you about that guy when we played the Titans? I said, mysteriously, he gets shown up on the injury report like the week of. Jackson Carmen ain't been on the injury report all the other times. Now he gets a start. Like Now your coach is saying, like, you're going to start. Now all of a sudden your back hurt? You don't think that's a – I think that's a little – like, to me, mm-hmm. even, if it's, even if it's a real injury, why your back ain't been hurting all this time? I question your right. dog. I question your dog. Like, if Riley Reef could play – as much as people don't want to talk about that injury or whatever, like I think mm-hmm. Riley replays with that same injury, and I think he runs up to Zach and says, "Let me play." I question his dog. Like I don't know right. him personally, right? But you popping up after the, the coach told you, like, "Let me get this started." So as fans at home, I'm, I'm sure. Like I agree. I think Carmen mm-hmm. is better for the position. I think he probably ultimately it works out. But something's not right there, bro. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that at all. There's something weird there. Like I like you said, we don't know what's going on, but it's just strange because it's just I'm not sure exactly what it is. I don't like you said, I don't know if it's the dog. I don't know if it's that the professionalism isn't there. I'm not sure. I don't want to make any any things, but that was something that was was strange because I thought, especially after even if they would have split reps, right? Like I could have gotten behind that, but that was just just weird to me. But it is what it is. Like the offensive line does have to be upgraded, but I think, and I hate to try to defend them, but I feel like when you actually look at the game and you go back and look at some of the PFF metrics, Jonah Williams didn't really play a bad game. Quentin Spain only gave up one sack. Trey Hopkins didn't give up any sacks. Isaiah Prince technically didn't give up any sacks. Um, it was the right guard position and Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, they credited with with two sacks there as well. So, you know, for the one thing that I feel like 
a lot of people try to say is that the Bengals' entire offensive line is trash, and it's really not. It's really just right. some key spaces that they have to improve on, and I definitely have faith that they will do that. But I hate that the narrative really is just all about the offensive line because when this game started, um, there were things that kind of stuck out to me that I felt like it was more of a team kind of – there's so many fingers that you could point in that aspect, right? So they first come out, they do a great job, uh, force uh, Matt Stafford in the offense to punt. They get the ball, right? Um, they go for it. Like Zim said, we weren't mad at that at all. We looked at each other and was like, bro, this is a Super Bowl. Let's go for it. Let's do with it, whatever we need to do, right? Um, so they go, go out. Look, and, and go look at that play. A lot of people, I, I remember, I, I'm glad you brought that back up again. There's a lot of mm -hmm. people that say, well, why did they do that? You're getting the ball back in third quarter. You just mm -hmm. stopped them. So – you got a chance to nail them like early. Like you get you get right. seven points, three points there, you're still in points. And then you come back halftime no matter what, and you got the ball. So now right. you damn you damn near guaranteeing yourself a victory. The risk versus reward isn't that high because Rams can put up points. So you gotta know Rams that. And, and 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 if you play that, if you run that playback, Joe Burrow just took the wrong read. T. Higgins is wide mm -hmm. like. He probably goes through his first and second progression. His first right, and running. that was that was going to be one of my points. Is you could look at two things on that drive, third and one, very similar situation to the fourth and one and the third and one at the end of the game. So my JP Ryan once again is in. So from a personnel standpoint, you could look at that and be like, well, why isn't Joe Mixon in on that third down? Right, fourth down, Joe Burrow misses T Higgins wide open in the flat. So you could look at Joe from that aspect. But even with that, they come back, get scored on, and then they come back right after that and go and get their three, right? So like for I have a good point on that real quick. I, I don't want cause you I want to I want to mm -hmm. go along with you as you're saying this. For people that say why is P Ryan in there on third and fourth down, uh I agree. I want to start out by saying I agree. But Mm -hmm. um, ben Baby posted this too. I wish I could do like what we do in the Twitter space where I could just show right. you how to tweet. He posted it. This is not unusual. So please stop. Like, I'm I'm so glad we're having mm -hmm. this because it takes us away from the casual person that's just drunk and mad that we lost the Super Bowl. Let's have a real conversation. 73% of snaps the entire NFL season for the Bengals involved Joe Mixon on the field first and second down. On third down, in contrast or in comparison, he's on the field 32% of snaps the entire NFL season. So this wasn't a, some anomaly or some unusual thing that they've done. Even if you go to last week, P. Ryan gets the screen, it's on the third down, I believe, right? So right. I'm, I'm just, I just said that to say, like, this isn't some unusual thing. I agree that I think Joe Mixon should be out there third down and fourth down. I also right. want to talk about, I want to talk about third and one is a big talking point for me. Right. No, I think a lot of people, which I didn't even realize that that happened earlier, but a lot of people were talking about the situation. Like, I don't think that it's an issue that Samaje is in on third down. It's just the, the issue of if you have a third and short that you don't have Joe Mixon on in the game. Like, if you plan on running the ball, I think that's what a lot of people have an issue with. And I, and I get it because – I have an like issue with it. <laughs> like I want Mixon out there. Like he's the better, he's the better right. running back. Like I'd be stupid to say, like, but it's not different. Like I heard a lot of people mm -hmm. say, well, why would they take him out on third? Like that this is what they've done all year. So right. if you're one of the people that say, well, don't go do nothing brand new in the Super Bowl, like this is what they do. 
But me and you were in it. We were in the audience, and I know P. Ryan. I, third and one to me, mm-hmm. egregious. Like maybe I need to see another angle. Am I the only one? And remember, I was saying this in the crowd. Like I wish they would have took a timeout on the Jamar Chase throwaway play because that play mm-hmm. ends up being very important. Like where Joe mm-hmm. just throws it, and I don't know if it's like miscommunication. It's like their way of clocking the ball or something. Yeah. But the third and one. From our angle, we're at the forty yard line. That clearly looks like a first down, and nobody's nah, talking I, about that. I look, I looked at it on the see. It looked different for us. On for us, how close is it? It looked like he got it. Honestly, he was he didn't get it, but I think that the spot that they gave him was still a bad spot. Like it was I think closer. How you don't challenge the spot? I, you can you can call timeout, anything like that. I just thought like they were trying to catch them off guard, and then they rushed into the. I I think we went too far ahead, but. The third nah, one. All good. So, you know, they they come back, um, essentially uh, get get close within the game. And like Zim was saying, the whole entire first half, we're like, well, where is the pressure? They actually didn't get their first sack, I believe, up until like the last minute of the second quarter. Um, that's when they were able to get some pressure. And then I think in the second half, we come out swinging. You get the T. Higgins touchdown on Ramsey. One thing that I kind of – I think Rams fans actually brought up is that, you know, the Bengals went deep on them with Chase. And I, I also think even on the Chase uh, first pass, that's possibly six, right, if it is thrown slightly better by Burrow. How about the Chris, the, Chris the Chris Evans wheel route? The Chris Evans wheel route he misses on. And, and Chris Evans – I talked about that matchup every week. Uh, all week last week was getting Chris Evans on a linebacker. It was a mismatch. And, and if somebody, anybody you know, talks to you about the OPI on um, on T. Higgins, go look at the T. Higgins, um, the first one with Jalen Ramsey's just whole jersey. This is why I don't. Yeah, with home. the with the this, OPI, right, with the right, OPI. Right, right. Yes, it this, was an OPI, but the way that the game was going, they weren't calling stuff like that. But, they weren't. Right. They weren't calling that. Like what, like you said. When Ramsey was playing extra and bumpy and stuff, they weren't calling that. That is the tone of how the game was being played. Like they were letting them play. Referee came out after the game and said, "No, that the, I'll post the definition of why he said it isn't. I, I don't care. Like to me, that it's not even really a talk." They tried to say it was like a face mask, an offensive. Butt. Right, right, right. But 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 yeah. they, he the referee's definition of it. I know somebody in the comments probably seen what I'm talking about after the game. They said that that is not offensive pass interference. In contrast, or comparison, I can't uh, the, the T. Higgins one where Jalen Ramsey breaks it up at the end zone, for anybody that's a Rams fan or anybody that just has no, no dog in this fight, if somebody tells you that, oh, well, that 75-yard one, they just gave you six, the comparison or whatever, we, give me my six back on the pass interference on Jalen Ramsey at the one-yard line. I posted that all over my Twitter. I was I didn't want to go crazy on it, but he grabbed his whole jersey. I got the screenshot and everything. He's like this, like this, going at the one yard line. This is the dangers of saying, "Oh well, let's talk about calls." Like they were bad on both sides. Like so, to yeah. me, they kind of they kind of cancel each other out. But if we're gonna play that game, like oh, the seventy five yard when they just gave y'all that, you gotta give me back that six at the goal line too. 
Nah, I'm with you. I mean, I just feel like like even when you play, if you've ever played sports before and it's playoff time, like they're not going to call ticky-tack stuff. Like that's generally how it really is. And they set the tone for that on both sides early in that game, whether it was with Ramsey against the receivers or vice versa. They just weren't calling ticky-tack stuff. Um, so for them not to get that call, there were calls that the Bengals, like Zim said, didn't get either in that retrospect. Um, but we come out, um, take over the game. And I felt like at that point, the Bengals were really in control of the game, especially when the defense forced the two turnovers. You get Jesse Bates getting the interception on Matt Stafford in the end zone. Um, you get the, the second interception, right? And I felt like that was crucial. And that's why I kind of point out, the and as you notice, I'm giving blame to all different types of, of areas. So I talked about coaching. I talked about misthos from Burrow. I've talked about a lot of things. Um, but in that situation, we kind of talked about during the season, whenever the Bengals offense gets these opportunities from the defense in enemy territory, they got to get seven. They ended up getting three in this situation after um, Adenergy gives up a sack to, I believe, Aaron Donald or something like that. But they still get their three, right? The Bengals really controlled the game so much from that standpoint they just couldn't close it out. And that's the part that team linger. You Pretty guys know we don't talk about penalties, but I'm going to just be real. Like a lot of the stuff that I saw on that last drive, given the circumstances, were super disappointing. Like I literally right. just rewatched it and I'm sitting there next to them and I'm like, all right, bet. Even though. Defense, you know, Matt Stafford has the ball. In my head, I'm thinking of what happened with Pat Mahomes the week before, right? So I'm sitting there. One, all right, we stopped in the first time. Another incomplete. Two, another three. You know we got him, and then the flag comes out. We do that all year. We did it. The defense answered the call. That's why my takeaway from the game is vastly probably different than everybody else. Because maybe I'm a futurist in my thinking. The Mm -hmm. defense. If they just come back with the same people and then draft other defense, uh, I know I'm skipping a little bit ahead. If we add but, Osai and all of but, that to them. Like, if you add if you add Osai, the free agency that we just came from, where we were like looking for them, remember we were like looking for them to get more edge and all that other stuff. Like, nah, draft heavy, heavy defense. Like for me, and because right. why? Because of free agency, I'm not playing around with no offensive line no more. Like we're gonna go get the best offensive line money can buy. But I think because of the guys like Von Bell and all these guys around them and teaching guys what they're doing and how they're shutting guys up, shutting guys down, they have enough to go swinging defenses in the draft to come out with corners, edge, another linebacker, all these different things. So now you got Logan Wilson Jr. You got all these guys. You got so many guys. I think I honestly think the defense can carry this team. Isn't that the Mm -hmm. wildest thing? You know me. I'm offense. You know, you know, your offense is your defense. The defense is really, really, really good. Like, yeah, and I, I think it's like, I think bro, another like thing. Eight yards a carry. Like, why? You, I know that right. the media isn't going to talk to. You know, we lost the Super Bowl, so I get that right. part. But you can't tell. Like, so Aaron Donald and them, they dominated the game, right? But Mixon ran for four point six, four point eight, four point eight. Yeah. So, like, I mean, somebody and said, they ran well, for like one point something. Most of their starters ran for like one point something against us. T- Tennessee's defensive line 
Absolutely, I didn't feel like I, like there was no chance because you couldn't. Or run Mason the run, no, there wasn't. No, you couldn't run, you couldn't pass, you couldn't do anything on Tennessee. You just had to play the, a tight knit game. Keep in mind, we beat Tennessee, and the Rams got their ass whooped by Tennessee. Just just saying, like how difficult that matchup is for a lot of different teams. And the one thing that I do know is that Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the National Football League. He makes people look stupid every single week. I get that part. But the other people on this team, like the, the other guys on it, I didn't think that they had anything that they could stop us with, with our run game. And I feel like we let them off the hook and we didn't screen them. Because when they were pinning their ears and coming at them, Joe could have just did screen after screen. We talked about that so much before the game. They only called one screen in this whole game, and it was a stupid slip screen. They didn't do any middle screens. They didn't do any other screens that I liked that they did in the Kansas City game, which killed Kansas City. They could have ran it at a minimum. They shouldn't have walked out of this game with five or six screens. They only did one screen, and like I said, the defense was playing off because they were so scared to get beat deep because their safeties are ass. And, and so the, the, it, it we could have dictated, and that was the first time that we lost a football game like that this year, which was really weird. You right. know, like to see us lose without going to those guys or doing things to help Joe Burrow in some of those moments. Even in the Tennessee game, somebody said, well, you never seen a defense. I thought Jeffrey Simmons, for the four or five pressures that he had, dominated. He dominated the defensive line. And I'm not saying this to take away from Aaron Donald, but Joe Mixon – I feel like could have just kept on running and running and probably would have ended up with a hundred something. They just kept them in for like the, right. you know, like that like, was, you know, like, that was another it, part of it is I felt like, like that's a big part of the game, bro. Like, like if you're going to talk, talk to me about defensive line play, like let's not skip over that fact. Right. And then the Bengals, we only, they only averaged 1.8 yards of carry. They tried three different running backs. None of them had of any, them no dice. They probably ended with like 20 yards. Right. And you say, well, who cares about moral victory? I think that says a lot about this defense moving forward. No Ogan Joby, no Asai, no Akeem Davis Gaither, no Bocce, all these guys that we lost along the way. They're not even out there, and we're dominating the Rams who were built for the Super Bowl. We control the game, like you said, but it's nothing if your offense can't take advantage of it. That's where the offensive line does come into play because the offensive line pigeonholed their playbook. And you could see it. Like, they couldn't call. But that's what we've been doing. And what did we do? Go ball. Screen. Like, all these different things that we did. And then even the last drive. One thing about Joe is that he makes really, really, really quick decisions. I just thought the execution on that last drive, I, I love the Jamar Chase joint at first. Cooks Ramsey on the first play. Then he come back with the Tyler Boyd. Now, yeah, people forget about the Tyler Boyd catch that he had right there. Yeah. Her down. Before before we get to that real quick, I'm gonna tell you the, I'm gonna tell you another way why I think the game is over. Even with the offensive, this is why the offensive line you can't sell me on the offensive line is the reason why we lost the Super Bowl. Because with four minutes left, Joe had enough time. Joe throws a 39 to Tyler Boy and he drops it. Right? Me and you were just talking about this. Maybe he gets to the chains. Maybe he doesn't. I'm still going for it if he doesn't. I think he gets it right. If you get that right there, now they burn all their timeouts. Matthew Stafford now has to drive the whole field at him with a with a with a with a maximum of two minutes left. Matthew Stafford now has to drive. So now the last drive of the game is vastly different, and that's the worst case scenario 
Because if we get the third and down, now McPherson kicks the field goal, you're up seven points. That's how you can't really sell me on this defense dominated and the offensive line is so terrible. Because even with all that said, the Bengals still had so many opportunities. And some of it was just straight-up execution. Some of it is personnel that we just went over with the mixing thing or whatever. So it's very casual to me to say that the offensive line lost you the Super Bowl. To say that the offensive line uh, is good would be fake. I'm not going to say that. And it, and it, it makes it so that the offense is super, like, one-dimensional on what they can do. But it's crazy because the one thing that we can do is beat people at the line of scrimmage, throw the ball quick, 2.4, 2.5 seconds. Matthew Stafford, I think, is another big talking point. The defensive pass rush was nothing. He was super comfortable, and he couldn't do anything. They'll say, well, OBJ wasn't there. OBJ had one 100-yard game the entire season. You think OBJ is about to get get deep on Jesse Bates or anything like that? I understand he made a really good play early in the thing. I thought Eli Apple was in good position. OBJ just makes a great catch. He's going to do that. But if you can't sell me on the fact that OBJ is going to make it so that the Bengals get blown out. When the Bengals dominated the line of scrimmage in the run game and the things that the, the, the Rams were trying to do, how do y'all know that Matthew Stafford doesn't throw another pick in the third quarter trying to force it to OBJ? OBJ doesn't get separation like he used to. So this casual concept of OBJ had OBJ play, then we would went crazy. What do we do in the second half for everybody? They just had five possessions. You mean to tell me one dude is going to make it so that these dudes just go crazy? Like, I, I don't buy it. Before the game, they told us Van Jefferson was elite. Van Jefferson, did he even play? And I'm not saying that to take away from the Rams, but I just think you got to look at all these different things around that happened in the game and just say the Bengals flat out just failed to capitalize on all these opportunities. And the penalties just go hand in hand with it. Because had you just gone up 10, 14 points, we aren't talking about those penalties at the end of the game. Those are the things that the Chiefs, the Titans, and losers talked about every time that we beat them because they failed to score points. We just failed to score points. We had five possessions, and they got away from what they wanted to do. Nixon was running effectively. And the plays that I would have called or the plays that they did really, really good throughout most of the season or the postseason, they just didn't do it anymore. And that's the part that messes me up. It's not that Aaron mm -hmm. Donald and them took over a game. Like, that's a casual narrative that they conditioned everybody to think prior to the game starting. We're used to guys getting pressure and killing us up front every single game. But Joe gets the ball out quick, and he and they just got away from that. And he got into these long – like, it's then you go into single on Aaron Donald. Why would you single him up at any point? The game plan was double-team him throughout. You go into your last plays or whatever was single. So now when Joe doesn't get the Tyler Boyd play, now Aaron Donald, I mean, it's Aaron Donald. So anybody that's around you saying, well, the Bengals offensive line, I was like, ask Aaron Donald, what did he do? He, he ended Jimmy G the week before on their last drive. Go look at their plays. They didn't even get a yard. They ran three plays, and then Jimmy G just threw it like, oh, like on the last play, Aaron Donald came and wrecked the end of that game. We drove down the field got into a hurry-up system, and didn't execute a play. It's vastly different. And that's not to take away from the greatness of Aaron Donald because – but any good pass rusher or the best defensive player in the league, Joe's first read isn't there. They take it away. I thought the depth on Tyler Boyd's route was way too far. Joe Burrow staring him down like, stop running, stop running. Go look at four from one. 
He's like, stop running, stop running. He just runs right into the coverage. The play is dead at that point. Now he's like looking around like, who do I go to now? Mm-hmm. And, and by then it's too late. Right. If you, and, and this is the thing. When we get in the offseason and people talk about offensive line, I don't care if you run out there with 50 cent shooting nine times, like, you know, anything that you want. If you want to run out there with the CIA or whatever, Aaron Donald is coming. I don't care who you think you're going to line up with. Aaron Donald has to be double teamed. Aaron Donald is coming. You could get right back to the Super Bowl, play them again with the best. You can go get Jensen, the center that everybody keeps on talking about. You can go get anybody you want. Aaron Donald is coming, and he's going to mm-hmm. F you up. Like, period. Like, there is no getting around there. You could pay all you want for offensive line. You could draft whoever you want. Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller are coming for you. There is no stopping, you know, like that, that process. You can work your way around it with a better offensive line, give yourself more time. But you mess around and go through a first, second progression, they're coming for you. I don't care who you are. Ask the Bucks. Ask any of these teams that right. they just ran. They right. just ran through. They just ran through Aaron Rodgers and them two weeks ago, disrupting them, killing them I, at the offensive I, line. I get it, and I don't think that offensive line was the only thing that lost the game. But the reason why people say that is because after the Bengals scored towards the end of the third quarter and the early fourth quarter, with I think three out of their last five drives, sacks just destroyed all of them. Like they gave up back-to-back sacks on some of them. One of them was like negative 20 yards that they got on them. So like when people say that, it's because at the point in the moment that they happened in the game, it was at the point when the Bengals were supposed to put them, put them away. But you're right. Even with all of that being said, even with all the penalties, they still had a chance to win the game. But to get the, the play essentially, I don't even know if they actually called it a sack. They called it an incomplete pass. But the play that also ended the game that's not going to show up in the sack stat as well is Aaron Donald beating the lineman again and getting the Joe, which should have been, like you said, a hot read to Tyler Boyd. But everybody, all that everybody is going to see is four out of the last five drives, sacks are what did the team in. And it's crazy because, like you said, had they have kept the same game plan, we talked about this in regards to OBJ, you can't say just because the game plan in the first half for OBJ, he was going to do the same thing in the second half. You don't know how they would adjust it. Unfortunately, in this scenario, we did the exact opposite with Aaron Donald, right? We limited like it. in I, the I, first I, half. Don't you almost, half, you almost wish OBJ was there a little bit? Uh, nah, I'm not gonna say that because I wanted I'm, I wanted it to be easier for us to just focus on Cooper Cup, and I do think it made it it made it easier for us to focus on him because those other dudes weren't catching anything. Like, but I think, but I think Matthew Stafford now isn't looking to kill us with Cooper. I feel like Cooper Cup is the one guy that would have killed this, and I think like OBJ, the matchup mm-hmm. for us is a better matchup. So like, if he went to OBJ, I like that because it's taking away the fact that Cooper Cup can't be stopped. I feel like I but, can. But I think, like you said, when we were at the game, Cooper Cup, and when you really watch it, Cooper Cup didn't do anything until, like, the last, like you said, the last 50. Now, there was another guy that? No, nobody confused because they both were, like, white receivers, and one guy is 18 and one guy is 10. So I think people thought that he got the ball more than he really did or was targeted more. But Cooper Cup didn't really get the ball until, like you said, like the last drive of the game. 
the last well, we drive of the game when they went in and did the reverse with him on fourth and one, and then they went down, got the penalties, and then they get him in the end zone. And another thing that I'm going to say is a lot of people are killing Eli Apple. I think it's just really like a social media trend thing. Right. Like, Eli Apple got you to the Super Bowl. Like, if Eli Apple doesn't make that stop on Tyreek Hill, the Bengals aren't even playing in the Super Bowl. And, I mean, you look at the plays that he was, you know, supposed to be. He was on. in good position. He was, he was in, in good position on most the, the, of them. I mean. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here to take up for him and say that Eli Apple is, like, some good. It's good or anything, him. but I, I feel like it's being overblown. Like, I remember watching, just to give another example of, cooking somebody is what that dude who was on Julio several years ago where Julio had, like, 300 yards on him. Like, that wasn't the type of game that they were having on him like that. But I think people were just really waiting to jump on Eli Apple. But in the grand scheme of things, yes, he gave up two touchdowns, but they weren't egregious. And this dude was a guy that actually got the Bengals to the Super Bowl again with a play on Tyreek Hill before that. But, you know, that we were still in the game. But, but, but in the Super Bowl, but in the Super Bowl, like, I just want to go back to that real quick. Like, you said, I feel like it's like social media, like, you know, like it's a little bit like what I do. I call my shot before the game. Like, I'm going to say what I say. I don't care about the consequences. Nothing could deter me from that. I feel like Eli Apple's cut from that same cloth. And a lot of people confuse that with like arrogance or something. If you're confident in your abilities and you feel like you could do something, then I'm going to say you the same way that Ocho said. I'm an Ocho Cinco baby before I was a Burrow baby. Like, when he wrote down the defender's name or whatever, like in the, in the locker room before the game, or whatever, that's not right. him. That is a form of trash talking if you want to say or whatever. But if you can back it up, you can. Up into that game, he hadn't allowed a 100-yard receiver the whole entire year, and he didn't allow one in the Super Bowl either. Right. In the, and, and that's, that's my point. Who had the worst game? Jalen Ramsey Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey or Eli Apple. And it's like a lot of people are just dunking on – on Eli, but like when you talk about Ramsey getting cookies, oh well, it was an OPI on T Higgins. Well, that wasn't called. So who had the worst game? What is the what does the stat line show? Like what does that say? And that's just to try to really bring that argument. And I'm seeing people like like um Marlon Humphrey talking about Eli Apple. Like he didn't get cooked like you did against Chase though. So like who are you to like like for Eli Apple, I get it. He was he was talking on Twitter. People didn't like it. Right. But if you're gonna keep that same energy, keep it consistently with everybody. Because right. Jalen Ramsey, last time I checked, he's a guy that talks a lot of trash too, and nobody but, really kills him for it. Now, whatever. not saying that Eli Apple is on the same level as Jalen Ramsey. Obviously, right. he's the best corner in the league. I'm just saying if I don't feel like he's talking the best about one guy getting cooked. Talk about the other guy getting cooked too. That's really supposed to be better, and you're really supposed to have expectations of Ramsey shutting the guy down, and he's out there putting up a worse game than Eli Apple. I think you know this. This is a great talking point too. This is what happens when it's so crazy with perceptions and stuff. I study people like for a living. Like perceptions are are everything. I could show somebody a million different things. And no matter what, their perception of the situation is going to be whatever they want it to be because people see what they want to see. People don't want to see Eli Apple play really good. We threw him out every stat in the world. Like I said, nobody gave him 100 yards or nothing like that. Meanwhile, people like the Titans, the Chiefs, and everybody were waiting for us to lose coming out the caves that they were in after, 
after Eli Apple made all these plays on them, right? After Tyreek Hill and didn't do anything on the Bengals, right? In the second right. half of that game, they didn't do anything to elevate their team to go win the game. Suddenly, they come out of the caves. And this is why I feel like Bengals fans, we have to stick together in terms of how we talk about our team. It's cool to evaluate or for me to call out somebody or whatever, but I'm not about to, hear to, to be here to bash them because they didn't play to the level like that I think they should play. And, and just to say something, Zim, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna read you the stats for Eli Apple real quick. I'm gonna let you continue real quick, but I just saw this and I had to say this. He gave up two receptions, two receptions, if I'm not mistaken here. Hold on, let me just confirm. You know the play that three receptions for 19 yards and two touchdowns. Everybody concentrated on the two touchdowns. He right. gave up 19 yards the entire game. And you're right. talking about a guy in Jalen Ramsey that gave up a hundred plus. Like the Ramsey game is way worse than right. that. So, so like, and this is the thing. So this is what people would do. This is what I'm saying about perceptions and what and what the media has told you all week. This is why it's important to follow trusted people that you understand, uh, like know about football, like Dan Orlovsky's of the world are going to tell you the real about like quarterback play or different things like that, or me and Ace doing what we do. Yes, we're Bengals fans, but I'm not about to be, one thing I don't do is lie about like somebody, but the one thing that they don't like that I do is that if somebody's really, really good, I'm letting everybody in their mom and their sister and everybody that's involved, I'm letting everybody know that they're really good. And that's the part that pisses people off. These fans that were like um, Rams people, they thought they could have good receipts on me, but I don't have good receipts on me because all I'm doing is telling you real stuff. T. Higgins did have a thousand yards. Jamar Chase did have the greatest wide receiver rookie season of all time. You know who didn't have a really good a couple a really good game a couple weeks ago? Jalen Ramsey. But you know what you just said just now? Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerback in football because we're conditioned to think that he's the best cornerback in football. But the stats. As you pointed out, when you put Jalen Ramsey versus a Wouzier, he's not the best cornerback in football. So when people see stuff like that, they'd be like, oh, with a 75-yard OPI, like that wasn't on him. Like, bro, when y'all start moving the bar for like the best cornerback in football, if you're the best cornerback in football, right, maybe that play, let, let's watch that, right? Say that that play doesn't count. He still gave up 85 yards, right? If you took 85 times 17, do you know how many yards that is in a whole entire season? That's 1,445 yards. If you took 1,445 yards and said, this is the cornerback that I'm going to roll with, you would say this is the worst cornerback in all of football. So to push the goalpost now to be like, well, Jalen Ramsey only gave up these plays. Like, nah, he didn't have a really good game. That doesn't mean that he sucks. It doesn't mean that he's not lit. I respect the hell out of Jalen Ramsey. I personally think Jair Alexander and Tredavious White, and I would even throw Bradbury in there too. Those are the three that I I like better. But I bet you, I bet you, Zim, if you were to list those stats that they gave up, one sixty and one touchdown versus two reset or three receptions for nineteen yards and two touchdowns, and you didn't say who it was, they would say that the person that was Jalen Ramsey was what Eli Apple did. They would right. say that that was Jalen Ramsey. And, and I'm not saying that stats like Jalen Ramsey is asked to, as we saw in this game. Any times there's a third down, he doesn't do on first and second down. But anytime there's a third down, but he takes the number one, you know, he does single coverage on all third downs. And we show everybody. And I, I hate that people probably – I wish we had won the game, of course. But I'm just pointing out some real shit or real stuff, I'm sorry, is that 
he didn't do what everybody thought he would do to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And because of it, everybody's trying to push back different stuff on it. And, but they're still trying to push these agendas on Eli Apple. When I go into offseason and then we come out, I'm still thinking, remember I told you before, I said, bro, I think they should draft a corner or edge first, unless there is an offensive line that is elite that just came down to them. But to me, the free agency is the path to success for the offensive line. And all Bengals fans, to me, should be really putting pressure on the front office to go buy the, the go buy the offensive line and stop dealing with prospects. Like, just go get Taron Armstead's of the world. Go get Jensen's of the world. Whoever your, your cup of tea is, right? And the reason why I said corner is because Eli, although he was very serviceable and I thought he was really solid, this is how real I am. I don't think he should be your starting corner coming in the next year. But I also would be lying to tell you that he didn't – like, he played pretty damn good in the Super Bowl. Besides that, the, the, the first OBJ joint is a great wide receiver play. Jalen Ramsey, on the other hand, I got clips of this dude falling all on the ground and everything. But it doesn't match the perception of what people put out in the universe. And I can show you statistically, and I think I just see somebody in the comments like, well, Steph don't tell half the answer. That's perception. You're trying to fight with the, the what really happened. He didn't have a good game. It doesn't take away the fact that Jalen Ramsey is still not one of the best corners in the NFL. But it also proved to the point that you cannot single cover the Migos. People okay. think they people think that they they could they could go one on one with Higgins or one on one with Chase. Chase and, and Higgins didn't even have ten targets and still had more yards than Cooper Cup. T Higgins still had more yards than the Super Bowl MVP and only had seven targets. Ain't that some crazy stuff? So imagine if you get them dudes more targets. Well, people say, well, he didn't have enough time. That's not our offense, bro. It, it's simple as a as a go route. And now when you see that they do get an offense line, sure, you have more developing, longer players, Joe Burrow's more mobile, all these different things. So I'm not fighting the fact that offensive line is now the number one priority. Let's make that clear. But to try to give these guys excuses, when are the Bengals going to get their excuses? People walk out of that game and say their offensive line is terrible. Why is nobody referencing Riley Reef? Oh, the Bengals didn't get no pressure on, um, whatchamacallit, nobody's going to bring up the fact that Ogan Joby didn't play? You know, like, it only goes on one side with the Bengals, and that's why I hate it. That's why I think it's so important, the people that we met at the game or people that I talked to, I'm talking to you. Because the people that want to pile up on the Bengals are ungrateful, that consider themselves Bengals. I'm going to just be real. You're ungrateful. You didn't appreciate what the Bengals gave you this season. They overachieved, and yet you still want to talk down on them because you feel like that's somehow living in misery or something is going to make – your life better or something, but it's not. The spirit of Cincinnati was risen and everybody got to new heights. But yet people that call themselves fans want to bring people back down to compensate for shortcomings in your life. You don't have to be like that. The culture has now changed. And yes, some things didn't go our way, but we were never supposed to be there. So can you imagine if we go get the offensive line and everything like that? It's cool for us to evaluate or cool to say what we want to do or whatever like that, but but pooping on players and stuff like that isn't really the answer to me. It's like, what is your effective answer to different things? Or if I tell you something, um, uh, I think that uh, Cooper, I think that Jamar Chase is better than Cooper Cup. That doesn't make me a homer by saying that. It's just I believe in the abilities of my player. Cooper Cup may very well be a better wide receiver. He just failed to show me that on on Super Bowl Sunday. I thought he came up clutch. 
But the one thing that they did was get the ball to him in those key spots. When the Bengals' offense was stagnant, they didn't hand the ball off to Jamar Chase. They didn't get the ball to Jamar Chase. In any, even on fourth and one, T. Higgins is at the line of scrimmage with nobody in front of him. They don't throw the ball just straight to T. Higgins. So you could kill – like I could – like the whole offensive line thing, I think it's overblown because it's a perception that everybody has told you all week, every day, every day, every. That's why my tweet, my tweet about these are the positions that are better, these are the positions that are better, and only had offensive line and defensive line and their punter are better than the Bengals. None of that was incorrect. Our our linebackers bought out, our corners we showed they played pretty well. Like who does that to the Rams? Our defensive line, like I said, I think is not as good as the Rams, and it, and it was and it showed. You could go to every single position, even Joe Burrow. I thought he played a better game. He didn't play – he played one of the worst games that he played this season, and even that was better than Matthew Stafford. Had Matthew Stafford not got bailed out on that third call, third down call, we're only highlighting Matthew Stafford throwing those two picks. It, the margin of error of winning and losing is very, very small. But, again, people see what they want to see. The Rams beat me fair and square, shake my hand, I'm in a Snuggie. I'm about to lay down and go look at um, – they put me in a mock draft simulator. So I'm not denying that. But to sit here and act like the Bengals didn't dominate the majority of that football game would be silly. And to act like we're not coming back. Like That's silly to me. That's, that's, silly very, to me. that's very silly to think that the Bengals aren't a threat to come back. Like, I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion, but we have, I feel like, one of the best chances to come back given that the way that this roster is set up the way that the cap space is set up, the way that we know what the weaknesses are on this team and what to address is really not going to be be hard for us to get back to this level. This is like we like we told them during the season. This is just getting started. Like this is like a young team that's going to be competitive for the next decade. Like this isn't going to be a one year and going thing. Like Joe Burrow is still young. Jamar Chase is still young. Joe Mixon is still young. Everybody's still young. Nobody's hitting 30 yet. Like, we're good. They're not hitting 30 for, like, three years. Some guys five or six or seven or eight years. So, this isn't – this is far from over. We getting Joseph Asai back next year. Right. Since people want to talk about they was injured and this and that, we didn't right. have Riley Reed. Do it in the chat. We didn't have Joseph Asai. Tyler, we didn't Tyler have Larry Ogunjobi. We didn't have Akeem Davis Gaither. We didn't have a whole bunch of guys ourselves as well. And they're all going to be back next year. And we're all going to, and we're also going to have more players. If you don't think people want to come to Cincinnati after seeing us playing a Super Bowl and seeing how close we were and seeing, and it's a lot of people that are just straight up football fans that felt like the Bengals should have won that game. I don't know what to tell you. Like, 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 this is the thing. I, I but shout out. out to the Rams. Congratulations to them because I didn't get to get them right. that credit. Shout out to them for winning a Super Bowl. But we going, we going back in this next three years. I guarantee some, you. Some, somebody said somebody because I think they misspoke or they said something or they took my words wrong. Right? I started out this whole thing. I said, num- the, I said, what was the number one priority? Offensive line. But the way that I want to address offensive line is the way to go win a championship, like, right now. Like, if if you exhaust all that into the – like, you, you would be a fool to think that you would go back to the draft and then that guy right there is going to start. We talking about starters. We ain't talking about depth. Like, we need – like, the Bengals need to pony up some bucks. Like, that's the number one priority is the offensive line. But my biggest point or my biggest takeaway from that game is, with all that said, 
all that on the line. Everything that we did, the Bengals still had a chance to win the game. You cannot deny the fact that 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 you know uh, Tyler Boy drop on the third and nine, like that. That's a clean pocket. Ball gets to him, drops the ball. We probably win the game if he just drops that. Like and that, and it's not Tyler Boy fault. This is a whole lot of stuff. This is everything. So to focus on one thing, you got to evaluate the whole entire team. And also, and also, I talk bad about the coaches, but I do want to give credit to Zach Taylor. Um, for that trick play that he called in the first half. Like, Zach had some things that he did right in that game, too. So I don't want people to get it twisted because I talked about the coaches and definitely want to give Lou his credit as well. Right. I feel um, like Zach, Zach could be should have been coach of the year. Yeah, because, like, honestly, if we're being real, like, Sean McGray was doing some head-scratching things, like, when he kept running the ball, and I was like, you can't run on us. <laughs> like, what are you but- doing? But you know what? You, but that's a great that's a great segment to the probably one of the last points I'll make is that all right, uh, Rams got a better offensive line, right? Do you know what their deficiencies were in that game? Whatever they lacked skill positions in the in on the five drives that they were stopped, and then on the fifth drive they finally scored with a couple of late whistles that should never be called in the Super Bowl. I know people do want to talk about that, like to have a game go like that, and then you just call three three straight like. Penalties like at the end of the game, like oh, no. that. I know that like I, they I, needed some help to score to me. Right. So, so, <laughs> so, so you could tell me about, you know, like that's not why the Bengals lost the game. It's not by the referees, but right. to say to say that that's not a big. Factor but to say that that didn't aid the Rams' offense would be a lie. Like I'd be lying. Like the same way I'm I'm talking about the pass interference from Ramsey on the Higgins uh, should have been touchdown. Like I'm not going to go back over and be like, well, you know, like I'm just saying it. Somebody wants to talk about like penalties or whatever. I could show you a penalty that they committed, but I can't show you something at the end of the game that did get called that worked in their favor, like that was deciding. Aaron Donald lines up off sides on fourth and one. You know, like I should automatically have a first down, but I'm not here to say, oh, well, da da da. So my point is this for all of the things that you could say about offensive line, is that at the end of the day, you still had a shot to go win the game, and it wasn't the offensive line's fault. No matter how much you want to think it is, the, there was it was their fault that you didn't win the game. Whatever, there was some stuff that didn't happen in your way that made it like that. And the execution of those plays at the end of that game, I thought, were really, 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 really bad on some of those different things. The third and one P Ryan joint that we went over you know, the fourth down call or whatever, like that play wasn't executed correctly. Had you hit that play, McPherson just kicks a field goal. So imagine me having a game like, you know what a bad uh, offensive line dictating your whole entire game and you don't have a chance looks like? It looks like Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl last year. It doesn't look like the Bengals have a lead for all the third quarter and the majority of the fourth quarter. You can't have an offensive line that's so detrimental to your team that you would even be in that position if your offensive line was as bad as you said it was. And, and like it, people said, Casey fixed their offensive line and still didn't make and, it. And then look, yeah, I'm about to say, so if it was that detrimental like you want it to be because you're perceiving that to be the only reason, if it was that detrimental, then how were you in position to win a football game? Because when I saw the Rams in 2018, they only scored three points. That's what not looking like you're ready to go win a Super Bowl or you don't have this. Like, to get to the Super Bowl, you have to have some level of proficiency to get there. 
So you got to get them credit for that at the very minimum. I'm not here to say the offensive line is good. I'm just saying on the flip side of it, you're watching the Rams with a better offensive line. Matthew Stafford with four seconds, but you know what they didn't have? They didn't have a Jamar Chase. They didn't have a T. Higgins, and they didn't have a Joe Mixon. So they just went three and out. So give yourself an offensive line forever, and then don't give yourself the weapons that you need. Oh, presume OBJ got hurt. OBJ had one 100-yard game the whole entire season. Then Skaronic, people, y'all never even heard of Skaronic to the, to the Super Bowl. That's your backup. Van Jefferson, he's suited. So there's a give and take. This life that people are living where they're in the search for perfection, I don't live in that. I, I believe in our culture. I believe in the, in the coaches, you know, being smarter than me. I believe in a lot of different things that we did to get us to that point. And if you don't focus on how you got there, or the people that helped you there, then I question you as a person for real. Like, if I get you to the promised land, but then we fall short, you going to turn on me too? I don't know. Like, that's, that's a little They were strange. good enough to win. This whole thing about it they were just good enough to win. they were an offensive line away from winning, they know they should have won the game. A good offensive line or bad offensive line, they should have won. The line was not good, but the offensive line was good enough to get them there. How about that? Right. And it was good enough to put yourself in a situation, 40-something yard line, ready to go win a football game. And it gave you – and you had a lead with that offensive line. But so I'm, like, confident, so, I'm confident – Like, that that's crazy to me. That um, once they fix I, – I think that they can do both. They had the weapons now. They fixed the O-line in the offseason. I think if they fix the offensive line, teams definitely need to be scared this team like is gonna go back for multiple years and I, I'm I don't even bat an eye at saying that because that's one of the main and Zim knows this that's one of the reasons that I was team Panay because I was like if you give Joe Burrow a line it's gonna be scary but here's the right. kicker now you got Jamar Chase and you got the Migos and you got Joe Mixon if you give him a line now this yeah. team is gonna be unstoppable because the is good the special teams are good and if you get this offense, we're going to score 30 a game. We're going to score 30, 30 to 40 a game if they get this offensive but, line. But, right. but, check, but check this out. Check this out. I want them to have the most elite offensive line. I'm all in. Push the chips in. Give me It the doesn't even have to be elite. That's the scary part. Right. Like, it's right. Just, right. If it's right. just average. Like, right. Right. If it's just average. Crazy points. Right. And this is the thing. This is the, the the biggest takeaway that I took from the playoffs is that our defense and our coordinator that are now going to all get extended. I'm all like, I, I if if we have seven, eight picks in the NFL draft, whatever, I feel like four of them, five predominantly defense, because now you got Logan Wilson, Awuzie teaching all these young guys. You're able to take some chances on them guys. And then you come back to the Super Bowl. Imagine Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford with pressure on him in that game. They don't even score. They don't even score. Nobody's talking because that wasn't that's another thing, too. Like, we what, didn't get we, much pressure picks, in the second half. Picks. Like no, no pressure. Crazy. He no pressure and threw two picks. Imagine if I had Ogan Joby and Asad just in that one game. That's a win. To me, that was my biggest takeaway walking out. I said, dog, this defense could potentially be a top five, top three defense in the national football. Really, it really and, is. And, and, it's and, just and then you're because... talking about the scariest team in the NFL. We uh, like we come out of free agency, you go get your right guard and a right tackle. This like, low key was like the culmination like, of of kind of how this season has been. Like the defense really is like 
top 10, top five, but statistically they're not going to look like it because they're on the field so much, just like they right. were in this game. But look at how many times they were on the field and didn't give up anything. But right. teams will still rank up yards at that aspect, right? So when you get to the end of the game, it's going to look like the defense gave up this and that, but they really didn't. And like you said, once they get outside back, once they get Joby and handle their three-tech business, once they upgrade that outside corner, which a lot of people are sleeping on as well, what happens when you not only can't throw on Cheeto, but you also can't throw on whoever that second corner is over Man, there? We, we, you still we, got Mike Hilton in the slot, who's still right. one of the top slots in the league. You got Von Bell, you go, you go back and you resign Jesse, Jesse Bates. Bates. Jesse Bates was in this play. Jermaine Pratt played incredible in this game. Logan Wilson is incredible. Like, you got ADG coming back next year. It's about to get lit, bro. Like, we're not going anywhere. I'm in a show. We're not going anywhere, but we're going to go ahead and wrap up. We got to let Zim get back to the fam. Um, so I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to get the Uno Wings. I know y'all saw the TikTok from Midwest Best Barbecue Uno Wings. If you haven't, be sure to go and check that out. Um, they still got great food there. Um, so if you are feeling down, go to Midwest Best Barbecue. They're going to turn that frown upside down. Um, so go check them out in Loveland. Go get you some Uno wings, and we're going to get it. We're going to get right. Zen, was there anything that you wanted to say before we get out of here? Not much, man. I just want everybody to keep on, you know, like, it, it's cool to evaluate. I, I have no problem with that. Everybody, be a fan how you want to be a fan. I'm going to tell you all this. Like, me and Ace are about to go on a journey that I don't think the Bengals, like, community has ever seen. I think we're about to do some really, really cool stuff. I think we're going to take our stuff up to another notch. And I, I think I always remember that press conference where Joe Burrow was like, this is the standard. And, you know, um, we're not here to celebrate uh, or or not celebrate. Like, even if we lose and we're not going, I'm going to always highlight things that are good. And I'm going to always give it to you real. And I'm going to always tell the truth. I understand that a lot of different things that I say, they're not takes. These like 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 I, I hate that whole concept of this is a take. I don't have a hot take. Like Eli Apple not playing. Uh, I mean Eli Apple playing better than Jalen Ramsey is not a hot take. It's just the truth. It's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's just the truth. Like like Jalen Ramsey is a better cornerback than Eli, but Eli Apple played a pretty okay game, bro. Like he just he had 19 yards thrown on like Ace said earlier or whatever. Like it, it's things like that that I think are very important to make sure that we're, you know, like communicate into the Bengals community because what we're about to do, I think is going to be really, really special. And you could choose to watch whoever you want to watch. Like, I think it's all good. As long as you're like supporting, it's nothing wrong with evaluating, but if you're going to be casual or whatever, I'm just, I'm letting y'all know, y'all not going to like, you're not going to like anything that I say and you're going to hate me this all season because I don't have a casual or traditional way of thinking. I'm thinking for the heart and soul of this franchise because this is the voice as we talk to so many people. We represent a voice for a lot of people and there's a reason why a lot of people still listen to us. It's a, a reason why we have a lot of followers and stuff. So me coming on here and then saying these things that people are thinking like are takes, these are not takes. This is the heart and soul of what Bengals fans are really thinking. And we're just trying to trying to convey that in our own way and i just don't want people to think that because it's different 
than what you'll hear somewhere else, that that means that we don't know what we're talking about or we somehow are like jaded by something. We're not. We're trying to win more than anybody because money can't. Some of these other guys solely do this for money. We're not solely doing this for money. So you got to understand like taking information from players, taking information from coaches that we all these people that y'all see us interview. We talked to y'all watched us on this journey this year where we talked to everybody, whether it be PFF, our PFF special that I appreciate those guys, whether it be wide receiver coaches, whether it be former coaches like Hugh Jackson, whether it be former players, you watched us take this big journey this year in the greatest year of my life, collecting information from everything. So what do you think is going to happen now? You think that we will fold now? Like, we're just going to turn up even more. And I understand that a lot of people didn't understand the Jamar Chase pick, but that was just the beginning. We got all the way to the Super Bowl. And if you could walk out of that Super Bowl and say, man, I wish they would have done it, like, then you're lost. Everything is a process. Be thankful for what you had. Be thankful and, and count your blessings every single day of your life. COVID and all these other crazy things that could have happened. Health. Remember before the season, that was a big thing? Like, the Bengals were never healthy. The Bengals went through a whole season where the majority of their team was pretty healthy. Like, there's so many different things that y'all said wouldn't go to y'all way. The front office did what, they, what you said they wouldn't do. We never led you astray. Even when we had the big civil war, we had everybody in their mom watching that joint. And then you came out of it. Some people came out of it and said, Jamar Chase wasn't a pick. Jamar Chase just had the greatest rookie wide receiver season of all time. And we just went to the Super Bowl. And you think that you will come in here now and be like, man, these dudes don't know what they're talking about. If you can't trust me, then you don't trust yourself. <laughs> like, I ain't going to get it all right, you know. But just because our opinions are a little bit different, I think that's, that's, that should be something that stands out to you. Because all these other people that y'all getting your information from now, a lot of people y'all getting your information from, those are all the people that I bet every single week I took all their money because they never believed in the Bengals. Them the same people that picked in a landslide across your screen of the Chiefs to beat the Bengals in both, in both games. And the Bengals swept them. Them the same people that picked the Ravens to beat us, and the Bengals mopped the floor with them. The same Steelers team that we crushed, they got nine sacks on Baker Mayfield. So let's not forget how the season really, really went, because we got time to evaluate. And if we're going to evaluate, we're going to evaluate everything. Don't tell me about Tyler Higby hurt, and I ain't have Auden Tate. Don't tell me about OBJ is gone, and I ain't have Riley Reese. Like, we got to be – if we're going to evaluate part of being evaluating or whatever, is it's understanding. It's being fair. It's, it's being fair all across the board. Sides. So, if you come into it like, I just want offensive line, I just want offensive line, you're, you're the Browns to me. You're not, you're not a winner. You're a loser. Part of being a winner is evaluating, accepting other people's opinion might not be yours. You might have to listen to people. Sometimes you have to be quiet. But to be stuck in your own thoughts is – why you may maybe not be moving like you thought you would in your life. Whereas someone like myself, I feel like I'm moving up and doing some good things. I feel really good. I feel like Ace has done a lot. Joe Burrow wore his shirt. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're, we're communicating with people that I never thought we would. And I just want to thank everybody for supporting us. I know that was super long-winded, but this was a crazy season. 
crazy season, and nobody in their mom thought that we would be in the Super Bowl. And you know, and and you know, and see, Ace is like, yeah, we coming right back. And see, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it's gonna be next year, but we got we coming back to the Super Bowl. I really, truly do believe that. I believe in this team. Hey, look, somebody said that we mopped the floor with the practice squad. Ask Marlon Humphrey is he on the practice squad? We mopping everybody. The North is mine. Yeah, we all on the practice squad too. Yeah, Lamar. Last time I checked, y'all was only missing Marcus Peters. Running backs, and somehow that's supposed to equal right. another 30 points, which I needed. Well, we beat them like what 80 to 20. I don't care who you had, I don't care if you went and got Ray Lewis out of retirement. Joey B mopped the floor with y'all, and he's going to continue to mop the floor with y'all. Yeah, and if you didn't think that, then why is Wink gone? Why is your other coach gone? Oh, your coordinator's fine, got your coaches, y'all, y'all trying to figure out. Still is out there just praying that a quarterback falls to them. They they doing everything. So if he put two hundred on Marlon Humphrey, if he put whatever he just did to 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 Jalen Ramsey, which was cook them, you really think he's not gonna cook Marcus Peters? Right. Like Marcus you really Peterson. think T. Higgins we'll not gonna cook him too? And hey, Tyler Boyd. Listen, Come on now. The Amigos is here. This team is 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 flourishing, and I'm really, really happy with it. I can't predict right. what the future will hold, but I feel like we got a really good, solid game plan. We'll get into that. I want to thank everybody for supporting us. I want to thank all my haters because y'all got me lit. Y'all got Ace lit. Like, like, like more than anything, bro, like, I appreciate the Twitter space. I, I, I appreciate all the people I demolished all year. I mopped the floor in every debate. I killed all of y'all. Anybody wants to smoke? Imagine not smoke. even making the playoffs and making fun of somebody losing a Super Bowl. Does that even I'm, sound? Imagine, imagine, look, look, I'm going to tell you, haters come in all shapes, forms, and sizes. The number right. one people that say, uh, man, y'all going to get Joe Burrow hurt, them the people that want Joe Burrow to get hurt because you know you can't stop us. You see this face right here? You see that face right there? These are the guys that's going to be in your face for the next 10 years and be like, God damn it, why won't they lose? Because we can't, like, I'm sorry, bro. Like, I'm sorry that it ended that way. I'm sorry we took out the Titans, the number one seed. I'm sorry that the Chiefs got, with everything that y'all told Twice. the Bengals, Twice, not once. Not once. Arrowhead, outside of Arrowhead. <laughs> they told us Patrick. Where you want to get it? They told us Patrick Mahomes was so much better than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow outplayed him the first time and the second time. And the second he time. It. He took his great offensive line that they went and bought, and he looked like a chicken with his head cut off, and we made him look stupid, too. And everybody else that defies us and underestimates the Bengals, you will get cooked, too. The Rams, they won. Shake your hand fair and square. Three-point victory. It was very close. Nothing but respect and love for them. Aaron Donald is a is right. a beast of a player. But to think that I'm not going to be confident moving forward, my name is Zim Never Fold Hude. You can't get me to fold in any smoke we wanted. Facts. And you know we got to end this with a yes. Sirski. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. 